Two men, giant monsters, and a whole lot of movies. The answer has been here since the beginning. It's the Monsters vs. Men 100th Singular Point. Welcome back to the 100th episode of Monsters vs. Men, the bargain basement of Monster Podcasting Airwaves. We are going to be discussing our Godzilla Singular Point Part 2 episode, but we're also celebrating our 100th episode. Congratulations, Alex. Oh, congratulations, Eric. It's nice to be here with you and sharing this glory. <laughs> Man, how does it feel? How does it feel? Now, this is yeah. your is this your second podcast where you've had a hundred episodes? Yes, so because this had... is significantly less special to me. Oh, yeah, I'm just yeah. pretending to be excited because you're here. <laughs> oh, thanks, Alex. That's <laughs> so sweet of you. So sweet of you. <laughs> yeah. uh, now we've had a couple bonus episodes, uh, so technically, like maybe we passed a hundred a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but a hundred episodes of official content that we've released on the weekly. Haven't missed a week. That's 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 actually kind of crazy, Alex. Yeah. Um, it, it puts us... Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We're better than everybody else. <laughs> it's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Yo, everybody else, you just, you just suck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope I don't get a message from someone who's like, we have 100 episodes too. I'm like, whatever. I don't believe you. Just know it. Just know I don't believe you already. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, it's been good, Alex. Uh, we were looking at our upcoming schedule, what we've got going on. I think there's some prizes, some prizes, some surprises uh, coming up in the near future. We've got some special things planned for October, November, and December. Uh, we're going to be doing Evangelion next. It's a great time to jump into the podcast if you're just starting. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm very thankful to all of our listeners and especially all, all of our patrons, too, who have just been supporting us um, from the goodness of their hearts because, mm-hmm. I mean, we're fine, but we're not the best like you claim we are, Alex. <laughs> well, Eric, we're at 100 episodes. This is a new improved Monsters vs. Men. Our ego is twice as big, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean the show's better, but we think the show's better. So that's what matters, right? <laughs> that, that, that does matter. That does matter. Um but we did get some new uh, patrons that I just wanted to shout out to. First off, um, Kevin Alexander. You may have noticed his name in the credits um, past couple of weeks. He is a new executive producer to the show. Um, and we also had Dan Moorhead from the UK who uh, started becoming a patron, which is just fantastic. I know he's been listening to our show forever. Now, I'll forgive him because he's a Manchester City fan. Um, which is just, it's, it's tough. They set the bar and we're all, cha- all the other Premier League teams are chasing it. So my Liverpool's always chasing Man City. It feels like we got the best of them one time. We're going to get the best of them this year. Sorry, Dan. But <laughs> Eric is Eric is that fan that jumped in once the, he waited for them to be like top tier or whatever. So he's, he's like the, when someone was a Patriots fan, when Tom Brady was winning the Super Bowl all the time, me? That's no, that's Eric actually is. that's actually not true. I I, I jumped in. Mm. I jumped in when we were we had Brendan Rodgers as as a manager, 
And our first season that I watched from beginning to end, we didn't even get in the top four and didn't win a single trophy. Mm. So this this all sounds fictional to me. So So that's completely not true. I'm not going to believe it. Uh, People, please write in. Let us know if Brendan Rodgers is a real person. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we better move on from soccer talk before we lose all of our listeners. (laughs) Besides Dan. That's right. Next is baseball. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Anything else you wanted to share from 100 episodes, Alex? Yeah, I just, I'm a guy. I can't tell people how excited I am. To now include 100% more sports in our episodes. <laughs> Every week from here on out, we're going to be talking sports from the at the beginning. So just just get ready for the ride, everyone. <laughs> no, yeah, but, but no, I, I'm just I'm just excited, Eric. I'm just I'm pumped. I feel reinvigorated with life now that we mm-hmm. have a one zero next to our number. Yep, yep. And oh, I'm, I'm I'm ready for it, man. Me too. Me too. Well, let's jump into singular point shall we let's do it all right last week we covered the first seven episodes of godzilla singular point and felt mixed about the show's mix of exposition character building and monster action do episodes 8 through 13 settle some of the issues that you mentioned last week alex or are the problems more glaring now than they were before hmm so this is a bit of a complicated one uh because Again, I've seen this before already, right? Uh-huh. And while I liked it in my first viewing, I wasn't over the moon with it, partially because I, it was super hyped. Like, <laughs> like this, this is the one that everyone was saying was top, the next, like, their favorite iteration of Godzilla next to 54. And, and I felt like most of the people that I, I interact with were saying that. So it's hard to shake that expectation when you're going through this series for the first time. Mm. And I did. I had a lot of problems with the characters feeling lacking. Um, Even this time around, it wasn't as much of a problem, but it's still there. But the only character moment for for me that really drags it down Mm. is a character that I liked that they they killed off. Like the only character they killed off. And that's Lee. Yeah. Professor Lee dying with zero, less than zero emotional impact. This is kind of the emotional p- impact of this is kind of like the wasted opportunity that you and me talked about with the host and the girl that dies at the end. Mm-hmm. And we don't know if they died. Like we're not, yeah. a, we think they did, but we're not 100% sure. And they wait another like 30 minutes total to address whether she was completely dead yeah (laughs) right Mm. we see them attack her it looks like they're dead but we never get that moment with may like being devastated about Mm. this like that or her like i guess it was her bodyguard or liaison or someone no one cared i'm sorry like i know i know two episodes later we go back and reflect on that in a brief moment but sorry the time was passed you wasted your opportunity to, to really create some genuine, genuine emotion. Also, yeah. to genuinely up the stakes on a more personal level. Yeah. Like, what a wasted opportunity. <laughs> I cannot yeah, believe. I like, like this is this is storytelling 101. Like, yeah, it spins it on its head that we don't get payoff for a character <laughs> dying, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. 
I, I, do you agree that that was a wasted opportunity? No, I, I definitely agree with that. And it's it, Professor Lee's an interesting character anyway, because you're right. They come back to her like a couple of episodes later. Yes. And they're like, yeah, she knew more than she was letting on anyway. And you're like, wait, was she a good guy then? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, you're well, not even sure. Like, you're, st- I'm still not 100% sure if Professor Lee's a good guy or not. I think in the Lee, context of our story. I think Lee I think is a good is. guy. She plays I her cards close is. to the chest, but it's that, and it's just <laughs> that we revisit her death two episodes later. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah it's like, sorry, man. Not good. What were you Not doing? <laughs> uh, and, but really, again, this rewatch, my problems still remain, but I did like it more this time around. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I really got myself more entrenched with the vibe. Mm-hmm. And while I wish the characters all had more depth except for Goro. He's got enough depth for days for me. It's the characters and the, the characters are still pretty interesting. I mean, even if we are, they're a little on the shallow side of mm-hmm. the pool. Right. Mm-hmm. And instead of building these characters, we're digging into the science mumbo jumbo, but, and, and I, I do like parts of it, like part of the science stuff, because it's really fun. It gets us into this like kind of wacky space. We just spent, yeah. I think we mentioned it last week. We're spending a little too much time doing it. Now, I did notice the back half of these episodes. Um, we're not really sitting on text message threads too much, yeah. which is good. Nice. Yeah. But I do think the science is over overwhelming. It's not as, again, it's not as bad as I initially thought with that first half, but and and re- this rewatch, I caught on to more of what was happening, especially with yeah. Jet Jaguar and mm-hmm. the reboot that happens with it yeah. at the end of the show. Like I was like, oh, like I kind of understood what was happening a lot better this time around. Yeah, me too. Uh, which was really nice. And, and I do again. I do want to reiterate another positive about the show is that this is still a visually striking show. Yeah, especially now that we are spending so much time amidst the red dust. All of which is just like creates this super ominous vibe that I just mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love, yeah. and plus that uh, we get way more monster action and it's like uh, quite the v- visual feast as well. Yeah, that's it, that's interesting, Alex. I wasn't sure which way you were going to kind of lean um, with the last half of the series, but yeah, for me, I'm kind of with you. I actually think my criticisms from last week become more glaring with these last six episodes instead of diving into these characters, we get even more exposition. I think episode 12 uh, is the worst in this regard because it's literally 25 minutes of setting up that final episode. If this Mm -hmm. was a movie, we would have been like, what just happened to the pacing of this movie? (laughs) Right. Um, And there's, it's just a whole lot of explanation in that episode 12. Now, yeah, does the finale live up to the hype does the weight pay off in the end i think parts of it do for sure mm-hmm. um in episode tw- 12 to be fair to it it has one of my favorite moments from the show so even though i think it's a very long overdrawn episode it has a, f- a moment that gave me chills actually and that's when the indian love song that we've been hearing throughout the entire series yeah. uh it goes acapella and then it goes choir acapella as we see the moths flying away from the scene, right, of the mm. crime, from this red dust epicenter. And at that moment, that song started to sound a whole lot like 
a Mothra twin song. And I loved it, right? It just gave me that whole feeling. And both times I watched it, the first time and this time, gave me chills. So I thought that was really cool. And then we get the big finale in episode 13. And yes, it's really cool. Um, Visually, like you said, it's striking. I loved it. I loved the Jet Jaguar reveal and twist. Um, That sequence with Yoon evading the Godzilla termite ticks, right? While literally (laughs) on Godzilla's back, that's fantastic. I like the very final moment after the finale. Um, That actually is more of what I want to see moving forward with this show. Because that moment after the finale, like at the very last moment, you know, where May and Yoon meet each other, that's an acknowledgement finally of Yoon's humanity as he just looks at May and that voiceover says, this was the beginning of the story, right? Um, That's cool to me. I really like that moment. It's really sweet. Um, and then of course we have the post credit scene. <laughs> what do you Ooh. think of the post credit scene? And do you agree with most of my comments here? Yeah, I, I think you and me are really feeling very similar about this. Um, mm-hmm. but that post credit scene is a callback to what I said last week about what this series needs. Mm-hmm. We need human villains. Yeah. Yeah, and to see Asihara back, which I thought was actually predictable, um, mm-hmm. I'm totally down for. I'm not complaining about it because he's accompanied with Mechagodzilla. I'm never going to complain about Mechagodzilla, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think it's really cool. I'm glad we're getting established bad guys. Um, allegedly, you know. Yeah, we, we don't, don't know. know. I mean, <laughs> he could be a good guy. But just, he just looks like a bad guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> but well, that doesn't know mean with anything. Him. Yeah, it's it's interesting that the whole post credit scene is interesting because you don't know if he's a bad guy, if he's pulling the strings for the bad guys, but actually doing something productive. If I, I imagine this uh, Mecha Godzilla that they're building here, it might have like this this corporation might have similar motivations as uh, the motivations of the big bad in GVK, right? right. Um, where it thinks it's going to be this defender of the people. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that's explored here in the future because God, Godzilla in this season is a bad guy, right? Yeah. Uh, well, it's a phenomenon that has to be stopped. Exactly. It's not a. It's not an evil being. He's not. It's a GMK. phenomenon that needs to be st- <laughs> stopped. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that turns or twists moving forward. Yeah, I was surprised to see Mechagodzilla in a Kiryu form mm. in this. Just to see that, and for those who don't know, that is that is Mechagodzilla covering the skeleton of a Godzilla. Oh, which so is cool. Very cool, very cool. Really which cool. tells me, that, which is what actually leads me to believe that this is maybe more of a bad guy thing. Because a lot of this season spends a lot of time kind of saying like, we why are we messing with this? Yeah. <laughs> right. And can I ask you a question? Yeah. I don't know the answer to this. Okay. Where do those bones come from? Like, I know they're in the basement of right. that place. So we don't <laughs> but know where do exactly. they come from. We, we we're kind of, we're, we're told kind of where they come from, but we don't know exactly hmm. uh, if I remember right. And I'm sure I'll get a right in, but if I remember right, Ashihara's family home back on an island um, was attacked by a Godzilla and they were able to kill it. Mm. And he 
was able to buy the bones or acquire the bones later on. Yeah. And he put that, and this is where he decided to store them. What's, what's interesting is, don't they say something? This, this So the show is set in like 2030, is that right? Yeah, 2030. Yeah. And they say something about how the bones are like 80 years old or something like that. Yeah, so it, right? it essentially and is so implying it's, that it's almost the OG Godzilla in exactly. a way. That's but what they, it's implying. Yes, and they also say when they're given this backstory, I do remember this, is that they covered it up. And so no one really yeah. knows that it happened. So it's really interesting to see if, cause you have a story like this, right? Um, <laughs> I just think there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah. And, you know, like we just got off talking about Loki for our MVM plus episode today, Alex. And mm-hmm. there's the whole multiverse there. This will be interesting to see if, they do anything similar, right? Well, like, yeah, I mean, the implication of Jet Jaguar having uh, to go, having that code to like mm-hmm. always be in there, but the implication in a lot of its words is that it had to keep trying over and over and over again yeah. until it finally figured out how to win. Right. And <laughs> so that implication means that we've, who knows how many times that they've gone through this. Exactly. Really interesting. I love really it. Interesting. Yeah, I really like that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, but, looking into the themes a little bit. Uh, yeah, if you want well, to move there, quick, you want to move there. I, you did. You did mention one thing about yeah, like what. Ahead. What do I think of that line of? Uh, you mentioned that this is the beginning of the story line. Uh-huh. As far as I can tell, that just means that's the beginning of what was supposed to be the end, and so everything after this point is not written. Kind of like yeah. you just said. Loki, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. right, and so um, which is just really cool, and I, I like this idea that the one thing that is giving my criticisms about the characters a little pressure off this time mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. is because when I when I when I heard that line this time around, I was like, this really is the beginning of like another story. It feels like, yeah. and we are going to get that payoff with these characters now. Whether we get enough right here. I think is very questionable. You you hope so. Like, <laughs> right. if, if it's another season like this, I'm going to be questioning it more. <laughs> right. I will. Um, right. Yeah, you should. And I, and I should. But yeah, that gives us that allows me to kind of be like, all right, let's see what happens here because this is an unfinished story. But yeah, let's get into the themes a little bit. I, I actually don't think there's as much to dive into as I would like, to be honest, which is weird because this is an idea driven show. Um, this idea though, it isn't a question to be pondered. Like we saw in like the Annie Goji trilogy, right? Instead, the problem here in this movie is one to be solved. But once we've solved the problem in that final episode, is there much to discuss about the problem? I, I don't think so. Now I'm, I'm simplifying it a bit. I understand that. And I, I think there's plenty of leftover questions, some of which we've already talked about that will make for a very interesting season two, um, to get a little, Meta thematically, though, uh, I think the show is a- aware of how unintelligible it might come across at times. <laughs> yes. But it asks us as the audience members whether that matters, right? Because does it really all the time? I-, I think it does. But also this type of story, because of the narrative, um, it takes us all over the world. <laughs> it introduces yeah. us to monsters old and new. Um, it includes sweet action, destruction, and fight scenes. Do we understand everything that's happening? No. 
but neither do the characters that this is happening to. Because as the show even points out, even though the characters, um, or even though the answer is already there from the beginning, it isn't revealed until the final moment. Uh, what did you take away thematically, though? Did, did you see some of these things that I'm pointing out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I did. Uh, I, I do kind of struggle with the themes in this one a little bit. It's weird because, you know, I kind of already said it. I, I think I have a better idea of what the future of the show holds mm-hmm. than the season I just watched. Yeah, <laughs> and honestly. I'm not saying the show is pointless because that that's definitely not true. Like we see humanity's perseverance in the face of impending doom. And we do see a sort of metamorphosis with technology and even really old things like Godzilla's Mm -hmm. bones. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we do. And Godzilla, I mean, we see a lot of things changing very rapidly, mostly technology. And I, you know what? We could probably call these monsters some sort of, other, I mean, they are otherworldly. Yeah. So, but I can't say we saw that metamorphosis with humanity, really. Yeah. Right. We just saw them pushing forward. We didn't see any great leaps in any like sort of like unity or anything like that. So I am waiting to see that kind of payoff. But I do think that that you could speak onto a some sort of metamorphosis theme in here with certain things. But I do kind of feel like I'm grasping at straws a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what I, I do want to metamorphosis give, is brought up a, several times, like even it like is. the book is and brought up. And we see archetypes being, yeah, yeah, uh, it, being a like, where you see those various metamorphoses as well. But I, I just wish humanity had some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that. But yeah, I feel like this is almost a cheap answer. But I do want to give it a couple, a couple more points though, real quick. Yeah, I love that we get a Shin Godzilla again. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> right? With these rapid mutations, and you have no idea what is coming. That was really cool to see. Uh, again, metamorphosis. I love the Rodans kept changing. Uh, and then we eventually get that really, like, that black Rodan. It looks like it had, like, fire in its eyes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets killed with one shot. <laughs> but it also... Which is pretty offhanded. It's just one line. They said that no one could find it after mm-hmm. it dies yeah. or after it hit the ground. So it implies that it's still alive. I did see some theories that it was made out of a bunch of smaller Rodans, but I was looking at, I was, I was like going by frame by frame after I heard that. Mm-hmm. I don't see any evidence of that actually happening other than yeah. it's just like shooting blood or red dust off itself. Right. So that I think that that Black Rodan is going to be coming back. Mm-hmm. And then well, every single time that the red dust just happens in this again, I know I I really want to emphasize how cool it is and I hope that it comes back because mm. man, it's awesome. Well, we didn't even talk about the 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 Kumanga. Oh yeah, you mentioned them earlier, but they have Hidoras inside of them. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. Yeah, Which wow. It's really cool. Yeah, it was interesting. The red dust is replaced by the blue crystals there at the end. Uh, and you wonder if like that's going to be kind of the visual uh, hook of Ooh. second season. Is yeah. this season you have the red dust. What if the second season visual hook is the blue crystal, you know? That could be cool. Yeah, could be cool. Uh, a few final points for me as well. The music, I just need to note, it's fantastic and not just the Godzilla theme but the opening and closing credits the music during the fight scenes that Indian love theme that I already mentioned it's it's great 
And again, the spectacle here is just awesome. If you combine that music with the sound design, with the visuals, you have a product that, if you'll excuse the overused adjective, is epic. Um, This is the sort of awe and wonder that Godzilla should evoke. He's certainly godlike here. He's not of this world. He's continuing to grow and evolve, and you got to love that. If if you aren't looking for the anthropomorphic Godzilla uh, and you're looking for the godlike Godzilla, this is a good one for that. You're, You're on point, Eric. (laughs) <laughs> I think you're on point. Well, uh, we talked a little bit about this, Alex, but if you are interested in listening uh, to our 100th episode, MVM Plus, not the 100th episode of MVM Plus, but 100th episode uh, of our show, MVM Plus, we are covering Loki, the series. It's another edition of Marvel versus Men. Yes. We'll have the most memorable line. We'll have the coolest Loki award. The, oh, that's a good shot. Can't believe that acting. We cover it kind of like we do here on the main feed, and that's over at patreon.com slash Pod. If you're interested, go ahead and check us out over there. Uh, we have a good time with Loki, Alex. Oh, <laughs> everyone who watches Loki has a good time with Loki. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> it was a good conversation as well. Um, but next segment, Alex, we have another getting cultured with Kyoe Toshi. Yes, yes. Minasan, konnichiwa. Kyoe to isho ni manabo ni yokozo. Minna no daisuki na kaiju eiga no naka de imama de kigatsuka no katta nihon no bunko ya rekishi nitsuite. Ma nanjai masho. Zettai tanoshi yo. Eric to Alex ga iroiro oshete kure yo. So. I'm not going to be able to do her feed justice, but I am going to go over some interesting points. But we should plug that, right? Uh, Like, if you are intrigued by anything that Alex says here, um, Kyoi Toshi over on Twitter, what's what's her handle, Alex? At uh, again, it's at Kyoi Toshi. That's spelled K Y O E I T O S H I. Yeah. yeah. Just She's, go down to her feed. I mean, mm-hmm. go to the middle of this month, early this month. Um, and she has laid down some really interesting things. I may not even found the most interesting ones, but. Yeah. She's a fantastic writer uh, in Japanese, but she does it as well in English. So it's really impressive the work that she's doing um, and, and the things that she's teaching us uh on twitter and on our show as well so uh do you want to read a couple of those that were interesting to you alex yeah one of them was a design design decision that i would never in a million years have picked up on so when godzilla's in his final form uh she has two pictures uh beside each other and she points out that godzilla's shoulders are designed what looks like exactly like Samurai armor hmm. uh, or leather plates, she says, connected to each other by silk cords. Hmm. And it looks just like it. Like, so Godzilla's shoulders are samurai armor. That's awesome. <laughs> which is which is very cool. Really um, cool. She also has a very lengthy thread. I'm not going to be able to go into all the details about it, but she's a big fan of Goro, just like mm-hmm. the rest of us, right? Yeah. And she goes into a lot of interesting ideas that Goro looks like he may have been part of the Yakuza and that they are actually the ones that are able to fund all of his big wacky things. Hmm. And a lot of that, a lot of his mannerisms and things he does at the parade 
are indicators of that. Some of his attire, especially his, I think it's called a belly warmer, um, <laughs> that he wears are an indicator of, of something like that. So Goro might have a very, very interesting past. Oh, Eric, I forgot to tell you, I had a theory that Goro, at, <laughs> really early on, had a, Thor, a theory that Goro was actually Ashihara. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> that that very quickly went away but that was one of my first ideas that was pretty yeah. wrong yep that was pretty wrong <laughs> <laughs> i was like he's so old he could have shrunk he could have gotten really tight <laughs> um all right the next one is so you mentioned the moths earlier in the moth mm-hmm. realm we're getting that new that same music but a different version and she said that a beautiful scene, possibly the most moving in any Godzilla media, she says. She's a fan of Singular Point. Yeah. I actually understand why people have this in their top their top Godzilla media after yeah. watching it. Even if it's not mine, I get it. The, she says, the silkworm moths slash mothras rise to color the red, the red dust with gold. And a stirring choir rendition of Alapu Apala plays. Mothra, representing the forces of order and the earth, is rising to battle the catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And she says Goro quotes another Kabuki line, which he co- he quotes a lot of Kabuki in this. Yeah, that yellow butterflies represent warfare. However, in Japan, they more often represent immortality and rebirth. Mm-hmm. Things Mothra mm-hmm. is traditionally linked with. Mm-hmm. So multiple meanings on there. I'm sure you saw a lot of these. Yeah, I'm glad that. uh, Yeah, I'm glad that that scene stood out as well. I think it is a standout scene. I love it. It is a yeah. It's really cool. Uh, I also liked all of May's shirts. One of which I didn't realize had May on it because sometimes she wore a shirt that had just had her name on it. Yeah. But she says another one of May's tees has the chemical formula for methyl iodide on it and this is one of her this is her green shirt mm-hmm. and it says why because methyl iodide is often abbreviated as may huh wow uh, yeah which is cool i mean there's lots of nods like that all over this like this oh, is yeah. the most fan service thing i've ever seen <laughs> and it <laughs> yeah, does it in a way that's eggs. not intrusive at all yeah. uh i should point out um while we're talking about outside reading material here uh yeah. jack g-man who's been on our show before has a fantastic breakdown on his sub stack uh, about the post credits, not the post credit, the end credits scene and all the references that it has to, to prior Godzilla movies. Ooh. It's like all of them, Alex. <laughs> yes. It's so cool. Have you, have you read that? Have you seen that? I've seen it. I haven't read it, but I read his general breakdown of some things on Twitter when he was kind of taking a look at it. Yeah. I didn't know he had a thing on Substack. I wanted to go check it out. Oh yeah. It's got, all of these references. It's it's impressive and very thorough. Really cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I had, <laughs> I had, I had no idea. I had no idea. Um, another one. I, I don't know why I didn't pick this up when I was watching. You'd think I would have. Uh-huh. But Salunga, uh, <clears throat> Gabra. Yeah. She, well, she says, Salunga proves that he's not your father's Gabra by cunningly removing the threat of the orthogonal diagonalizer. Did you, mm. pay, did you notice that he did this? When they mm. throw it at his face the last time? They fire it right at him, and then it just goes into dust, and it doesn't do anything. How did yeah. I miss that he controlled the red dust and moved it so he didn't get hit with, so it didn't hit the red dust? 
I don't know. There's a lot she, happening right? there. But. She, she pointed that out, but that they, they fired the, the OD at his face, and he controls the red dust around it so it doesn't That's get awesome. hit, hmm. which is why he's able to kill them and destroy Shiva. Yeah. At That's the end. Right. Very, I was like, That's okay, thank awesome. you for pointing out something I totally should have caught. <laughs> That's really cool. Good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the last thing I want to talk about, because again, go to her thread if you want a lot more, but the para- she said the parasites that attack Yoon on Godzilla's back yeah. look like uh, a mega neuron from the Showa Rodan film, which that's what oh, I thought when they came yep, out. Yep, I was yep, like, yep. they look just like it. Yep. But oh, that's great. Said, I love that. I love right? that. Right? <laughs> Isn't that cool? Uh, yeah. But are functionally like the Shakiris in Goji 84. So they're like those sea lice that are crawling mm-hmm. around on the ship. Yep. It's possible that these are the sea roaches that evolved into Kumanga, having fallen off Goji yeah. and attacking the Manda. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, I had no yeah. idea. It makes complete sense. For sure, for but, sure. Uh, cool. I, and I, I love the Kumanga because they have those design elements of Megalon, mm-hmm. and that's just really cool. And sometimes they have the design, small design elements of Gigan, but more so Megalon, which yeah. I really like. Yeah, for sure. Well, shall we move into our awards, Alex? Yeah, because if I focus on that thread anymore, I mean, I, 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 I have 20 other items on my phone literally for this. Yeah. So, yeah. And there's a lot more than that. On we could feed. have an entire episode dedicated to it. So, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, let's do our awards then. Alex, coolest character award, who'd you have? You know, I didn't give it to him last week, even though after we started talking, I felt like I should have. Yoon. Yoon is great. Um, especially in that final episode where he is having to scale Godzilla's back, dive around. Like he's like, he, he's not quite, he, what I like is he never feels like an action hero. He always feels out of his element, but he's Mm -hmm. just doing his absolute best to to stay alive and make it happen. Yeah. It's really interesting, but he also has the sense of things are going to work out. I think, you know, which is interesting because he takes these risks especially once he knows like this, this thing is about to happen in the future. He takes risks that he might not otherwise take because he knows that things, how things are, he thinks he knows how things are going to play out. Right. So that's a really interesting aspect of kind of his decision-making in that last episode. You well, know? Yeah. I mean, and you, you raise a really good point because we see in the very first episode that he already knows what's going to happen with a restaurant. Yeah. And we do find out that he is right. Apparently, this is from Kyoe's feed, actually. Yeah. Um, we see in the background that they ran out of the food that he said they would, and they now have a Rodan special Yeah, that they're well, doing. And, <laughs> and, and that shows that he's intuitive. Like, he's not reading the future there, you know, but, like, he is a very intuitive person to begin with. Yeah. And then with his – with uh, the messages that have been sent from the future uh, – he is kind of being intuitive, right? And using those instincts to help him navigate these choices in the final episode. Yeah. And he does. But what I do like is that when the time comes and it doesn't go the way that he thought it was going to, you do sense that he's about to panic. Yeah. Right. Because there's suddenly that loss of control because he has no idea what's happening. He's not getting the text message that he's, that he thought he was supposed to get. And, since the the whole sequence plays out different than he expected, you do get a sense of more panic from him than you have gotten. Which is good because he's yes. a pretty stoic character, you would say. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about uh, you? 
mine is his sidekick. I would call him Haberu Kato. Um, <laughs> he has such a cool moment in this. <laughs> he does. He really does. Not only does he sacrifice himself, which just side note, by the way, it does feel like a bit of a cop out when him and Goro survived that crash. Like, yeah, how did there, they there's, a, there's a solution for that that they could have done that when I agree. I yeah. think it feels like a cop out because the distance they fall is absurd. It's, it's absurd. Like you're, it, it, if they solved it and the blue crystals like shot out and just happened to save them, yeah. I would have been okay with that. But right. it's like ten it's minutes af- later, exactly. And it so, doesn't make any sort of sense. Yeah. So that's um, like it's not unfortunate. I'm glad that he's alive. <laughs> I am too, but it's a little lazy. They could have made the drop a little different or something. Yeah. Like it could have seemed like he was. Like, it literally left us watching them fall to their deaths. Yeah. And then we see them later on, they're okay. Like, it could have, like, seemed like they were falling to their death. And then, like, the road appears and they, like, land really yes. hard, but they're okay. Exactly. exactly. Totally would have been fine. And it would have the moment would have stayed the same, right? They, it, for all sakes and purposes, you know, it would have been a sacrifice that he was yeah. making. But, yeah, regardless. Um, <laughs> and he had some of my favorite lines. In, in the show that didn't make my most memorable line award. Uh, you know, there's that episode, episode nine, where Yoon is talking out, out loud about the catastrophe that he's learning about from May and Haveru responds with catastrophe. What? She dumped you already. Yeah. <laughs> right. I love that. That was great. <laughs> and then another line, which kind of goes into my earlier point about the show being self-aware of, you know, it's intelligibility in episode 10. Haveru says, it sounds like it has meaning, but it also doesn't, <laughs> which pretty much describes how I feel about the science in this show. Right. Yeah, that's pretty much perfect. <laughs> what, what is your most memorable line award? So my most memorable line comes from Yuki Kanoko, which I find very interesting because she's this like bureaucrat uh, woman. She's basically the she's kind of like the politician in uh, Shin Godzilla. Right. Mm. Uh, she's who it reminds me of. Yeah. She's always has the business attire on. And yet, despite being this bureaucrat, businesswoman, politician like lady, she has all these literary references <laughs> um, and some mm. very interesting insights. And she has this line at the beginning of episode 12 that says, The gods continue to grow until they are bigger than the cosmos itself they then have no choice but to rebuild from scratch. This is in reference to uh, the Greek philosophers of antiquity, right, that she's talking about Mm -hmm. here. But as I'm thinking about this line, actually, maybe there are more themes here than I'm picking up on as I'm discussing it. That line certainly applies to what happens to Godzilla. The gods continue to grow until they are bigger than the cosmos itself. Mm -hmm. That definitely applies to Godzilla, but I think it also applies to the folly of man trying to become bigger than the gods, which I think we start to see with the Shiva Corporation and, of course, the post credit scene. I also like how that line invoked the Greek philosophical concept of cosmos, which isn't the universe, right, how we read it, but it's actually more of order of life itself. That's Mm. what the cosmos is. It's the order of life. Um, And each living thing's place within that order. Uh, So this show definitely flips that idea on its head. So it's a really interesting kind of anecdote that she tells right there at the beginning to start off episode 12. That's definitely a memorable line to me. What about you though? Yeah. Mine was one we've already mentioned, but it was, this was the beginning of the story. Nice. I really like that. Um, I like the way it was delivered with Pero 2, like, or not Pero 2, sorry, Jet Jaguar. 
I guess yeah. it's all of them because it's actually said yeah. in unison, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is really cool. When they say it, it's, it's just like, you know, it made me realize like, yeah, like we are actually, this whole story is the be is all before the beginning because the whole show is about the end. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so, and so I just really like the implications and it really gave me the sense of hope for the future of the show actually. Yeah. yeah it's definitely. just a simple line, but I'm like, yeah. And it was also I'm just an interpersonal moment, you know, yes. like that's what was cool about it is it could be applied to that moment specifically and it could be applied to hopefully the future of the series of the show. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, what about your can't believe that voice acting award? I'm going to go with the actress for um, Professor Lee on Yakko who did the dub. Yeah. And I think she did a really great job. I really like this character, actually. She was one of the ones that I thought may have had some really interesting depth, which made her lame death all the mm-hmm. much worse. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm on board for Professor Lee, and she's ripped away from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like Professor Lee as well. Um, I'm going to go with the English voice actor for BB. We haven't talked about BB this week, uh, but BB is kind great. of a pivotal character in these last several episodes. Sean Chiplock is the voice actor in the English version, and he really did a good job at bringing this enigmatic character to life. I'm still not sure what I think about BB, to be honest, but I do know that he's driven by a pursuit of knowledge more than a pursuit of power, which I don't think can be said about his colleagues, right? Uh, That's kind of the difference there is he seems driven by knowledge, whereas they seem driven by power. I wonder, though, if his pursuit of knowledge becomes a hindrance to his relationships with people like the Mm. relationship with his daughter, um, who he puts in harm's way. There's definitely more that needs to be explored between those two in future seasons, I would hope, because, you know, you know, the father daughter relationship is kind of a staple of the Godzilla series. You it's know, true. It's uh, true. so I, this is, I, I, I just yeah. want to know how old she is. Yeah, I know. How old the, is, she? is she supposed to be able to drive a car? I think she's, I honestly think she's a young looking 15 year old, 16 year old. So okay. that would be my guess. So, okay. Yeah. BB is a good character. And BB is one of those characters. He looks evil and then he's not right. Yeah, exactly. I like that about him too. He's not evil. Um, but yeah, I do think he's just driven by this pursuit of knowledge. He doesn't always make like the wisest decisions either. He's an interesting character that I think is going to be put in some difficult positions in season two if the Shiva Corporation bad guys that we see at there at the end become yeah. these evil big bads, you know? Yeah, which I don't even know if they're part of Shiva, right? Cause yeah, right. Because Shiva, Shiva gets destroyed by Salunga. Exactly. And then these other people are part of what? I don't know. Yeah, I I just say that they're loose ties, I guess, to they are. Shiva. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. What about your um, most standout animated sequence? I think it's the climax of episode ten. Um, that's when mm. we finally see Godzilla, like the the Godzilla reveal uh, for yes. the first time, and we get the the atomic breast scene. <laughs> it's so good. The anime trilogy does not have a moment like this. Uh, But we get something similar in Shin Godzilla. And I think it's fitting for Godzilla if we're going for the style of Godzilla that's godlike, like we mentioned before, then Mm -hmm. it needs to be awe-inspiring. 
and this really is awe inspiring. I like how they play with like the circle atomic breath too, which is just kind of feels like a throwback to uh, Minya, you know? Yeah, it does. (laughs) Which is funny. It is funny. (laughs) What about you? Um, Mine's got to be so there's that particular moment with the third form of Godzilla, and Uh they drop the bomb from the sky through this opening of, of. in the red dust. Yep. And it's just like this glimmer. It, yep. it looks like, you know, when team rocket gets blasted off again, but it's coming in towards him. <laughs> yeah. And it drills into it. I love it when it hits his back. And then when they start fire, another one, he starts to mutate and his body is just like, starts creating this, essentially another limb that is catching the bombs and letting them explode yep. in his hand. <laughs> it's it's like so flesh, crazy. You know, that's yeah. Like- it's all very fleshy. It's mm-hmm. very, bizarre and awesome <laughs> yeah another standout sequence i almost chose that one that one's so i think it's the beginning of like episode nine um, yeah or t- if i remember so right the sound design in that moment's really cool because it's really quiet yeah and then you yeah. hear like that whistle of the bomb and it hits yep so cool yes <laughs> for sure uh, a couple bonus awards this week alex um instead of a uh, like a standout shot or still this week. We'll have a couple bonus ones. Bonus award, favorite kaiju redesign. Who'd you have? Kumanga. Um, I am sad that we're not going to get clearly Megalon because design elements of him are put in here. But yeah. that's also why I like Kumanga is because he's pretty much Megalon adapted. Yeah. Megalon's so cool. <laughs> and uh, I just, I think he's really cool. And I like that when he does get cut open, it turns out it's like a Hedorah-like creature almost controlling it it's almost yeah. like it's it's almost like it's a parasite inside of the thing controlling it yeah i wouldn't say no to megalon not yet alex because you know maybe these things could come together to form Ooh. a a bigger creature that's as true we've seen, you we've know, seen so. mutations so yep. we would probably see it again <laughs> that'd be cool mine uh is going to be titanosaurus um I guess it's technically not Titanosaurus. It's oh. Godzilla Equilitis. Is that is that how it's pronounced? Yes, Aqualitis. Um, that was really cool. Uh, my son Levi also loved that. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. He just thought he kept on asking for Red Godzilla, Red Godzilla, um, <laughs> which is unexpected. You don't expect this thing to be Godzilla, but it oh, is. But right? when it's that theme music form. plays, yeah, and, and he jumps over the ship, so cool, right? And you're like. I, that music played and he jumps over the ship and I was like, wait, yep. what? <laughs> yeah, that was another <laughs> sequence where it could have been a standout animated sequence award. Um, definitely Titanosaurus-esque though, I would say. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it, it, this is Titanosaurus. Yeah, Let's exactly. Be real. I, that's it, how it's I got think the split it. tail with the fan in between it. So it much. has. The it, yellow it, accents, like it's, yes, yeah, it I've is. seen, I think Kyoitoshi once again posted something yeah, that uh, <laughs> showed all the similarities between the two. And it's like, yep, that's Titanosaurus. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. So Eric, you don't have any hope for getting a Titanosaurus. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know because yeah. this is it. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I agree. So, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to get my, uh, <laughs> my Megalon. But we'll yeah, see. we'll see. We'll see about Megalon. Definitely, this is Titanosaurus. But <laughs> uh, next bonus award, final bonus award, best episode award. Uh, yeah, I think overall, I gotta give it to the Angerous Encounter in episode three. Right? Are, are we doing overall? Like, yeah, overall. beginning to end. Okay. So yeah, mine's gonna be episode three with Yoon 
or just the entire fighting of Angerus, but especially Yoon fighting Angerus. This episode is that three, episode right? three. I think it's a little bit later. No, that's episode four. You're right. Yeah, I believe that is episode four. So the episode that Yoon fights Angerus, mm-hmm. that's it because it is just so cool. It's yeah. so exciting. I, 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 first off, Angerus in this is just awesome. I'm sad that we only got him once. But I think we'll get another one next season because yeah. we got so little of them in this one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think anything could happen <laughs> when it comes to these creatures. I think we've also come across a little bit as Godzilla fans that only care about the action here, Alex. <laughs> well, if <laughs> anyone I, knows you, we, they know that that's not the case. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think it's the case for either of us, honestly. And I think yeah. like we're just saying for the action to matter more we need to have even more stakes involved and to have more stakes involved, we need to have more character moments, you know? Yeah. Um, but the reason I preface that is because I think <laughs> my two favorite episodes are the, the most action packed episode. I think, I think it's episode four or five that you're mentioning is certainly up there as one of the best that Yoon moment against Angus is great. I also think episode three where they fight off the Rodan is fantastic. Uh, and I think episode eight, where Jet Jaguar takes down the um, Kamanga, is awesome. Oh, it's right? awesome. Like that's it that's just awesome. great. So all of those are like the action-packed episodes, but I think they're the best episodes. <laughs> it, well, it's because it's like, they're so visually fun. Mm-hmm. They're really well done. Like, yeah. Even though we've had we've both had a problem with some of the characters, it yeah. feels like there are some stakes, like when they're in these fight scenes and stuff like that. Oh, like yeah. they do have a tenseness to them that you, so that you can say the show has done at least enough to make you care. Yeah. When these sequences are going down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You're not completely detached. Um, I think there's more. We could be attached more. And I think that's where the show needs to go in order to really blow my mind in this next right. season. And. You know, I think it'll get there. I do. Like, I think it'll get there. Hopefully sooner rather than later. But it could use a little bit of, maybe not this much. I don't think. It's never going to be this type of show. But it could use a little bit of Dinah Xenon style of character building and pacing. Just a few moments, right? Um, where it slows down and takes a moment to reflect on itself. <laughs> uh, yes. Without words. Without words, too. We don't need words every second. That's okay. <laughs> You know, I don't exactly. like there's hardly any moments in this show where we get visuals without exposition over the top of those visuals. Like <laughs> even even in those moments where it could be like these quiet moments, there's exposition over the top. You know, um, it's like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> it's but, true. It's a good point. Like every moment feels like there's dialogue. Over there's it. dialogue every moment. <laughs> like you can't stop. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to our rating and ranking. I think I'm already kind of into this, Alex. So I'll, I'll go ahead and start us off. And, and honestly, I've said almost everything that needs to be said about my feelings for singular point at this yeah. point. So I'll keep it pretty brief. It's a confounding show and an awesome show. It doesn't do much character development in terms of getting us to care about these characters as humans, but those designs of these characters, they're awesome, right? Um, There's so much potential there, which is why I can give it a little bit of slack. The kaiju scenes are all standouts to me. The science is still mainly lost on me, even though I'm, I'm with you. The second time through, I think I'm starting to put the pieces together I can't explain to you how the pieces fit together, which I think the show presents itself as giving us the how, 
right? Like that's kind of what the show wants to do. It wants to kind of explain everything to us and how all these pieces fit together. I understand. I understand more what pieces fit together and how the plot works. I don't understand the intricacies of those pieces, if that makes sense. Uh, and lots of the exposition we get is about those intricacies. So it's confusing a little bit. <laughs> it's still confusing. So right. for me, this is a 3.5 out of 5. I, I, th- I, I kind of teetered between a 3 and a 3.5. I think the visuals uh-huh. put it at a 3.5. But on my Godzilla list, if I'm rank- rating this or ranking this, it goes below um, the last two Annie Goji movies and above the first one. Um, and kind of right in the middle of my overall Godzilla list. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. What about you, man? Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of like you, I feel like I've said everything already, but I want more characters. That's really the thing that I need from this series. And without it, the second time through, I'm not feeling as robbed as I did the first time of with those characters. Because again, we've mentioned in the first episode that their designs speak volumes a lot more than they do themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, well, I absolutely love the monster action. It's Godzilla is awesome. Anytime Red Dust is involved, I think I'm going to knock this up another half point. But really, the, the science of it is intriguing. I do think that this is a show that you can probably watch through like five times, and you will find more and more to appreciate and like. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's a lot of Godzilla movies that will do that. There's a, there's some. There's yeah. definitely some. But this is one of the deepest and most interesting in terms of material to pull from. I don't know thematically if it's the deepest. Uh, it's not the deepest thematically. Mm-hmm. Uh, compared to like the Annie Goji trilogy, I would even say. But I will say that this deserves high marks for ambition alone. And I yeah. can't wait to see where it goes. But I'm going to sit with you right now, Eric. I'm waffling between a 3.5 and a 4. I'm going to give it a 3.5. But I have a feeling the more I see this, the higher it's going to go for me. And this is one of those that the more I think about it, the more I'm probably going to like it. Nice. Yep. No, I feel you. I I think the same. Um, And especially if we go to season two, you know, um, and we see what it does with the ideas presented here and the characters uh, presented here it might make us look back on it more fondly, right? Like kind of like the mm-hmm. Gamera tril- trilogy. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> they grow right. better as they get, as they go further, but then you appreciate the, the earlier ones even more. Yeah. And I mean, with, with, with as elaborate as this show is, there are probably moments that are said and we just like yeah. wave it away. And then there'll be a scene in the next season. They'll be like, Oh wow. That makes that last moment way more impactful. For sure. Yeah, um, so this will be this will be like singular point. When once they finish the show, you're going to go back, and it's all going to be. Yep, the answer <laughs> will be right there from the beginning. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, next week, Alex, we continue our uh, monsters versus weeb series, and we jump into Neon Genesis Evangelion. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I, I'm really excited because you. I think you and me both started watching. Yep, <laughs> already. Yep, yep, yep. So we'll be watching the first 13 episodes for our episode next week and we'll split it up and then then we'll do another episode as episodes 14 through 26. After that, we'll do end of Evangelion and then we'll do the rebuild series. So I'm excited for this, Alex. Yes. Yes, me too. Me too. 
Do you have a rhyme for next week, Neon Genesis Evangelion? Yes. I wrote it while you were doing your review, actually. Nice. Um, <laughs> does Neon Genesis Evangelion bring the feeling on? Or is it as uninteresting like a Klingon? <laughs> Ooh, nice. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything that rhymed with Evangelion. So I went with, when we see the mental breakdown of Shinji, will it be cringy or beastie? What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so um, you can find us on our Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> you want to sign us out? No, no, no. You, I lost. I lost my cred. Yeah, you lost your cred. <laughs> As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at mvm underscore pod on Letterbox. We're Alex Cornette and Eric Neely. Email us mvmpod at gmail or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus off-the-cuff episodes. And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews really help. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week. Try, Try to, to stay, stay alive. Eric, we're at 100 episodes. This is a new improved Monsters vs. Men. Our ego is twice as big. Mm. And mm. it doesn't mean the show's better, but we think the show's better. So that's what matters, right? <laughs> that, that, that does matter. That does matter. <laughs>